Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Conversations. I'm super excited to jump into this week's topic. We just had Pastor Chris Durso on this last week, and it was so much fun learning from him and listening to him. So if you haven't checked out that episode, why don't you go ahead and listen to that? But today we're really going to talk about one thing, and this is looking at the person of Jesus, regardless if you're a Christian or not, really looking at the way he lived and the way he led the people around him and in his environment. We're going to learn how to lead like Jesus. If you look at the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see Jesus, the way he walked, the way he talked, the way he moved, the way he led people around him. So really, we're going to look at some observations that over the course of the four Gospels, of the, of the records of the person of Jesus, we have from the Bible truly how to lead like him and, and observations of that would apply to you as a, as a leader in your company, as a leader in your organization. Maybe you're leading in the church, regardless, you're a leader. This is truly how you can lead like him, and some of it is more practical than not. This isn't going to be a philosophical episode. This is going to be practical things that literally Jesus did that we can read in Scripture that we can apply directly to our day-to-day life. So that's going to be the topic of this. If you haven't yet, make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this via any of the 22 different platforms. We have it on audio. Thank you so much for listening. Seriously, if you want to leave a rating, it would mean the world to me. So how do we lead like Jesus? Jesus, we're going to jump right into it. Jesus didn't look at outward appearances when he chose his disciples, and he knew how to build and encourage them. So we know that that Jesus is God, right? We're not going to have a Trinity conversation, but Jesus is God. Therefore, God created humanity in his own image. So when we're thinking about Jesus, and in Scripture it talks about how God does not look at outward appearances, and neither should we. We should look at the heart. He judges the heart. He looks at the heart condition. So the people that he chose, his 12 disciples, and there was also other people who followed him along the journey, he never, he never looked at the outward appearance. There was a, a rich diversity of people with different jobs, with different backgrounds, married people, single people, all that to say, he didn't look at the outward appearance. He genuinely knew how to build and encourage them. And if you're looking to figure out how to, how to grow your team, it's through building and encouraging. We need to build them up. We need to encourage them. We need to lift them up. There was moments where he would build and encourage them. There's moments where he would challenge them. There's moments where they would get a glimpse inside of his mind. And when what I love is Jesus chose them. And there's this isn't going to be a discipleship episode, but there's something to be noted that Jesus chose his disciples. His, di- his disciples didn't choose him. So as a leader, you need to choose the right people. It's important to bring the right people along the journey with you. I think that's uh, the book Good to Great talks about the right people on the bus as imperative. So when when we think about the people that are in our world, like why, how how did we get here? How did we build them up? How why why did I pick this specific person? Is it because they're a yes man and they'll just do what I want them to do? Are they the, someone who's going to challenge me? Are they the ones going to help me me grow as well as a leader? So we just want to make sure we have the right people on our bus. We want to not look at the outward appearance. Some person might have the biggest gift inside of them, but they might not fit the quote-unquote mold or box that we're used to. That's okay. That's truly how we find the, the, the golden people is to search and really not judge their heart, not judge their motives initially, but we want to have fruit inspection. We want to see what type of life they're living, the way they're treating their spouse, the way they're treating their kids, the way they're treating themselves how they treat the people around your staff. Are they, are they looking them in the eyes? Are they being nice? Are they being kind? Are they being hospitable? Whatever values, again, your company has, you need to find people 
that align with those values, the, the, the priority of the mission and vision of the company, they need to be aligned with that. So Jesus did not look at the outward appearance when he chose his 12, and he knew how to build and encourage them to not stay where they're at. So jumping in the next point, Jesus' disciples did what he said because he was good at what he did. Again, this is more practical than not. Jesus was really good at what he did. And to think about it, not just as the Messiah, but as a rabbi, as a teacher, we know he was a good communicator because thousands of people would gather and listen to him. The feeding of the 5,000, which is estimated to be at about 15,000, we know that Jesus obviously was a great communicator. He was a great teacher. He was a good rabbi. He knew the Torah and he taught well and people listened to him. He taught how to pray and people were obsessed with learning from Jesus, aka he accumulated followers and people following him because of his influence and impact, and he was great at what he did. He also obviously was God, so that kind of helped him a little bit to be able to produce miracles and to do all the things that we now are commissioned to do as well as as Christ followers, but he was so good at what he did. That's how he, that's how he accumulated disciples and followers, is he was excellent at his craft. And I would submit to you, if you are genuinely an incredible, whatever that is, you insert the blank, you might be a carpenter, you might be a teacher, you might be a pastor or whatever. If you are so great at your craft, I promise you the people following you will listen to what you have to say because they want to be whatever you're teaching, whatever you're modeling. They go, man, I would love to learn that skill, that trait, that personality thing that they do. They know how to lift a room. They know how to be exciting. They know how to be energetic, man. I want to be a part of that. So what I, what I would submit and recommend to you is get so excellent at your craft. And this takes reps, this takes passion, this takes discipline, which we'll go into in a bit. But you got to be super excellent at what you do. And the, peop- the right people, like I said, what we just talked about, will follow you and listen to you because you're actually good at what you do. So you can't just talk a big game and then not be good at what you're talking about because you, you might be good at selling the vision, but are you actually good at building the vision and building the thing that you're talking through? So Jesus' disciples did what he said because he was good at what he did. Next one. Again, we're just going to hot button these. I kind of have a lot of them, but Jesus didn't hire credentials. He hired skill and willingness. So think about this. All of the disciples, you, you go through all of them. You got doctors, you got tax collectors, you got fishermen, you got uh, the, the people that knew the Torah, the, the Levites and the people who were teaching, the rabbis, all of those people were the people who crucified Jesus. They were not the ones who Jesus chose and, and quote-unquote hired. I mean, obviously he didn't hire people. He brought them and they did life together and they went on a journey of ministry together. But you think about it, he hired willingness. He hired the people who he said, hey, why don't you push out, put down your fishnet and follow me? That's literally the guy's job. Like imagine that in 2023 or whenever you're listening to this, some random guy walks up to you that you've, by the way, never seen, never heard of. He doesn't have an Instagram page, doesn't have nothing walks up to you and goes, hey, I think you should quit your job and follow me. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, dude. I got, I got bills to pay. They did. The people who instantly knew, man, I'm going to follow this guy. I don't know what it is about him yet. Again, he wasn't crucified yet. He was just a teacher. He was a carpenter. They followed him. There was a willingness to follow him and an openness to grow with him. So as we're thinking about the people that we want to bring on along the journey with us, regardless of company or organization, you got to look at willingness. Are the people willing to do not just what is asked, but above and beyond? Are they going above and beyond? Are they thinking about the things that truly make an impact together? 
and that involves you painting the picture properly of what they're supposed to be caring about. But he he didn't quote unquote hire again credentials, and I get it. There's specific jobs that you absolutely need credentials in. You're going to be a brain surgeon. You're going to be a mental health expert. I get it. But what I'm submitting to you is look at the heart, look at the willingness, and look at the impact that they're making individually. Those are the people that you want to bring apart your journey and your organization because, again, you can't teach heart, you can't teach passion, you can't teach discipline. You can teach the things that, again, you care about and that you're modeling. But at the end of the day, you want somebody who's passionate, who's excited, who gets it. You don't have to sit there and explain for, tw- for a, a whole week about the company values. They understand it and they're aligned with it. Those are the people who you need to bring apart. Your journey. Jesus spoke and taught with authority. We need to know our expertise well. Jesus always spoke from authority, obviously because of the fact that he was the Messiah. So we always got to factor that in, but the practical side of it as well. He obviously knew the Torah. He knew people's intentions. He knew people's heart. He had discernment. He was fully man and fully God. So as people who are communicating, maybe you're a preacher, maybe you're leading a team meeting on Zoom, whatever, authority happens when you genuinely know what you're talking about. And you've also lived it. So there's the, the, the respect side of it, that someone's respecting your voice because you have skin in the game, which happens over time and happens not just through reps. Don't think of it as a rep. Think of it as, man, I can make a difference in somebody's life immediately when I communicate this message. Again, you, we're not hiring. Just, again, we're talking authority here. So we need to know our area of expertise well. You need to become obsessed with the thing that you started in the first place. I think what we do is, as entrepreneurs and leaders is we get initially obsessed with the problem, we figure out a solution, and we almost dismiss the problems that we originally were here to solve and be the solution to. And we can never get to that place because comfort is not the place where you want to be. And it's not the place where your team should be. You want to be at a place where you're growing together, you're learning together, and you're still just as passionate about the original cause of when you started. So again, we got to teach and speak from authority. That takes a lot of self-awareness, by the way. You got to be a self-aware person to know, what do I have authority in? Like when I speak, where's their wind to my words? The times where I'm sharing something and you could tell people might be listening to you, but they're not hearing you. If you understand what I'm saying, communication is connection. You might be talking, but you're not communicating because you have to be able to connect with your audience and your audience might be three people on your staff, but the lack of authority comes from you genuinely not knowing what you're talking about, which might be one bucket, or you're not as passionate about it as you used to be. And that takes heart. That's a heart surgery. We need to discover why are, are we becoming mundane? Are we not getting so close to the problem as we used to be? So Jesus spoke and taught with authority from his expertise and his place in that space. So when we think about brand authority, when we think about messaging, we think about communication, should always come back to the why, the the pain problem that we saw in the first place. And again, over the journey of time in our specific niche, when did we gain authority in that? It was because we did reps, we learned about it, we became an expert in the field, and people started to ask us questions about that so that we would actually be able to teach other people. Jesus took care of the smallest needs of his followers. If we do the same, people will follow us. Okay. 
So Jesus always took care of the needs of his people. Jesus, again, he literally said, I'm not here to serve, to be served, but to serve. And that's us. We got to be the, the CSO. It's kind of cheesy, but the chief servant officer, you have to be obsessed with serving the people in your world. And serving, by the way, isn't making the things that you think are a priority to the people. I was just on a podcast today being interviewed on the other side of it. And we had this whole conversation about this because we think we're serving somebody and we're assuming we're serving somebody, but we're not fitting their needs. We're fitting our needs or our agenda that is no longer serving. That's manipulation. And we don't want to be manipulative leaders. We don't want to be insecure leaders. We don't want to be the people who think that we always have the best ideas or the vision that God gave me is a bigger priority than your vision. Just saying that out loud is toxic and horrible. But we, we want to take care of the needs of the people in front of us. And that, t- that t- takes question asking. We got to be obsessed with asking questions of the people we're serving, the people on our teams, the people in our world, our family, our friends, our environment. Saying, man, man, what do you need from me? Like, hey, so what specifically can I do this week to serve you well? Asking that question as a leader will get people more bought into you than you sharing this brilliant thought that you think is excellent. Fitting the smallest possible needs. It might be showing up with dinner for the family. It might be letting them go on a date night and watching their kids. Again, this isn't just for the work. This is for anybody who has a team. Looking at the way Jesus led, he he always met the needs of his people. I'm reminded of post-resurrection. Peter returns back to his old job, the fisherman in the lake, fishing, obviously burnt out, tired. Uh, upset that this Jesus guy wasn't who he said he was because he didn't see Jesus post-resurrection. This is their first encounter. And Jesus is at the sandbar making some breakfast for him. And they, he calls him out, sees him from the distance. Peter jumps out of the boat again and goes and has a conversation with Jesus about the whole thing. Like, do you love me? Feed my sheep. All that to say, Jesus, yes, called him back into ministry, got his heart back in place 40 days later. Peter's pre- preaching his first sermon to thousands of people. There's a lot of message in that as well. But the practical side, he gave him breakfast. It was like a practical need that he needed. Jesus met the need of his follower, Peter. And within, within 40 days, the guy who basically quit on Jesus and denounced him in front of people three times, and within 40 days is now preaching in front of thousands of people, thousands of people get saved, freedom, all that. So what I, what I see in that observation of Jesus with his best friend, Peter, is Jesus met the need practically and spiritually. So I think it's both and. I think that we got to fit the needs. And again, it's not your agenda. It's not your needs. It's not the things that you assume that they need. That's different. I'm saying practically, you need to know exactly what the people underneath you and next to you and above you need and fit that need. That's true servanthood. And servanthood looks like expecting nothing in return. Like, man, that I asked them what they need. They gave me a specific list of things that they need for me that would truly help them feel refreshed and alive and excited about their job. Don't expect anything else. Don't expect better work. Don't expect a better attitude. All those things are a byproduct of a pure heart and pure motives of saying, man, even if you don't, I'm passionate about serving you almost to a default. And that's not bad. We know that the best leaders are the best servants. You want to be the greatest of all time? Be a servant. So that was a long way of saying meet the needs of your people. And I promise you, 
people will follow you. If you want followers, serve people well. Next, Jesus was prepared and disciplined. Structure is attractive to people. And I, and I don't think we think of that way, but you, you look at anybody who is in the entrepreneurship space that doesn't know Jesus, all their content is the exact same. It's like their routine. It's their schedule. They wake up at 2.45 a.m. They do like 17 ice baths. They only eat raw chicken. Just kidding. But what I'm saying is their structure and discipline in the people who don't know Jesus, they get, they get attracted to those people. They get attracted to a David Goggins. They get attracted to these people who live super, super disciplined lives and they're prepared. How much more should we be as Jesus followers, as prepared and disciplined? Jesus was always prepared and always disciplined. It probably happened, we'll talk about this in a bit, but through solitude and prayer and conversations with his disciples. If you want to be a great leader, if you want to be a leader in general, you have to always be prepared and always disciplined. Scripture always talks about having an on-time word in season and out. And that doesn't mean just for communicators. That means no matter what season of life you're in, that does not give you the, the excuse to not be a disciplined person. If, we, if you look at the message of Jesus, it's to build disciples. The word disciple is the same word as discipline. That means you're, you're following the disciplines of Jesus. And you might be a disciplined person and not have, quote unquote, the, the same exact schedule every day. That's not what I'm saying. A disciplined person I would equate that to actually having integrity. Are you, are you saying, are you doing the things that you say you're going to do? Are you showing up and being there, being present, being attentive? Are you healthy ment mentally, physically, and spiritually? That's what's prepared and disciplined to me. Again, look at the, the person of Jesus and the lifestyle of Jesus. Our responsibility is to look like Jesus. You will never be Jesus, but being a disciple of him means you're following his disciplines. You're saying, man, the way he got away with the father from his disciples, I need to get away. The way he rested, the way he led and talked to, and talked to the people who honestly didn't deserve his time and caught all, all of his disciples off guard, those moments are the times where it might have looked random to you, but it was discipline and preparedness for Jesus. So structure is attractive. People want to follow somebody who has structure in their life. I remember the first couple of years of being in youth ministry. I texted my students every Monday at the same exact time. Every Monday, it was, I had a, a spreadsheet of their names and their phone number, and I just go through and I put a check mark when I text them. Hey, man, love you so much. How can I be praying for you? I believe in you so much. See you Wednesday. Every Monday, they expected, by default, a text message from me. That actually did not water down the importance of it. They didn't get used to it. They didn't get familiar with it. They always appreciated it. And for me, there was accountability of it. They expected it now because I've been disciplined and structured. So structure is attractive. Don't listen to the lie that you can just do whatever you want. Be a structured and disciplined person. So one of the most important things you can do is share a meal with your team. Again, these are just clear observations from the message and person of Jesus. But you are genuinely not in community with people you don't eat with. I don't care how small your team is, how big your team is. If you guys are not spending time together, it might, it might still be in office hours, by the way, but going to lunch together and having a conversation and putting the business owner hat down and just being a human being. I don't know if you're, it's an actual team. I don't know if it's a staff. You guys might just be doing work together, but you're not a team. You, the, one of the important things that I'm submitting to you right now as a business owner, you listening to this or a, a pastor or a youth pastor, whoever you are, 
you need to have a meal with your team and you need to prepare it. You and your spouse or you and your assistant, whoever, you prepare the meal. Don't have someone else on your team prepare it and you just show up and be the cool guy. Why don't you serve the people that are on your team, prepare a meal for them. Don't just take them out to dinner sometimes. Bring them in your home. If they're not in your home, I don't know if you're their pastor. You might be their friend. You might be the preacher they listen to on a Sunday, but I don't know if you're their pastor. So prepare a meal for people. Prepare a meal with intentionality, with hospitality in mind, with thinking about, man, what would I want if my leader, my boss said, hey, why don't you come over and have dinner and have no agenda? Don't talk about work. Just ask about their life. Ask about their journey. Ask about their marriage. Just be a good person and a good friend. And I promise you that will go farther than any cool leadership thought you have. Always explain why you break away from tradition. So we, we've seen a lot in the story of Jesus where there's a moment where the Pharisees saw him do something that was out of alignment of a tradition, not a truth, a tradition. Over hundreds of thousands of years, these guys have picked up traditions and Jesus, again, might have broke a tradition. And the Pharisees out of and we always judge the Pharisees, by the way, but we're totally them in moments where we question somebody of like, why are you doing it that way? We've always done it this way. When you do that, learn how to explain what you're doing, because it might be a, a massive turn of, turn of events for your specific area. Maybe you have a new way of a content strategy for your company. In doing so, learning that tradition is normal. And tradition is healthy. We, we all have traditions in our lives, maybe just in our family or in our business or uh, globally, we have traditions that we do. But learn how to explain those traditions so people understand and they don't get left in the distance. One of the biggest fears that I, I have for others and even myself is to be a person who can't explain what I'm doing practically to people. If you can't share what you're doing under two sentences, you don't know actually what you're doing. You don't know the vision. You don't have a mission for your company if you can't explain it in one to two sentences. I remember the first message I ever preached, I was like 16, and I sat down with my youth pastor, and I was going through all my notes, and I had no idea what I was doing. He was like, Josh, can you explain to me what you're going to preach in one to two sentences? I was like, I, I, don't, I don't think I can. He's like, well, then you don't understand it enough yet. And that's okay, by the way. Self-awareness is great, but just keep learning. Keep keep deep diving into it, keep going in through the dis discovery phase of asking questions to understand why you're doing something because you might just be doing it to be, to be a popular guy or to be familiar in the space rather than truly being an innovator and in change. You need to be able to explain why you're doing something. Jesus always had plans and executed them. There's a lot of people who have big vision, have big ideas, big plans, but don't actually execute. The win to me is post-execution. Are you saying, are you doing what you're actually saying your team's supposed to do? Yeah, 50,000 ideas, you're all over the place, you don't put anything down on paper, and you expect people to execute on that, it's just not going to work. Execution is where things actually go from just an idea to actually creating change. You want to create change, be an executor. And Jesus always had plans, and he executed them. There's plans and execution. Think about the crucifixion and the resurrection. Nobody understood what this dude was talking about. Where 2,000 years later, we understand and we think it's cool that Jesus talked about it and 
we, we see Jesus on the cross and all this stuff now, but practically 2000 years ago, people were like, this guy's a weirdo. This guy doesn't make any sense with that. Nobody resurrects. How does that, you can't, once you're dead, you can't get alive again. What does that mean? Or when he shares different things about being reborn and they're like, what? I got to go back in my mom's what? Like, no, 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 I can't do that. That's horrible. That doesn't make any sense. Long story short, with execution created 80% of the world now is locked in on a belief system of a guy who was in ministry for three years because he had a plan and he executed it with people along the journey with him. So be an executor. Don't just be the idea guy, be an executor. A great leader is a great storyteller. You got to learn how to share stories that people understand. One of my biggest pet peeves on the planet was when somebody is a communicator, but they're not painting a clear picture. They're all over the place. They have no idea. It's probably based on a lack of either security or preparation. Again, those two things will change probably 90% of the way you lead and the way people follow you. By the way, a, a leader is somebody who has people following them. It's not just a title. It's people who genuinely listen to what they have to say and follow them. Make somebody else a hero in all of your stories, by the way. If you're the hero in all of your stories, You'll probably have a team of one very soon. And again, that, that's a little aggressive, but that's the reality of life is if you're the hero in all your stories, all the wins of your company is based on you. That's not good. We, we never take the wins. Leaders, we always take the losses. We always take ownership and responsibility of the losses and give away the wins. That's what you sign up for as a leader. Don't be fooled by people who chase appearances rather than results. Don't be fooled by the people who want to look good, sound good, accumulate this big following with zero influence, aka zero results. We don't want to be those people. We want to be, want to be people who are result and obedience driven rather than appearance driven. I'm not saying appearance doesn't matter. I'm saying the, the appearance and evidence of your fruit and of your growth is based on your results, not by a projected self. It's 2023. We all like to project ourselves. We all like the best version of ourselves to be seen because we think that's what's going to make us a better leader and a better person. Not the case. People actually are, have way more in common with your insecurities and weaknesses than your strengths. So don't be, don't be the person who's the hero, like I said, and don't be fooled by people who only chase appearance. Appearances, anyways, the, the followers, the growth, the, the wins. It's like this guy never loses. It's like, man, I, I, I don't have much in common with you because I fail all the time. I make mistakes all the time. We want to want people to be result-driven. In sales and business, it's like, man, you're having, we're having the best week of all time in, in your stand-up, and you're going, I don't see one sale come through the pipeline yet. I was like, well, I don't know if we're winning right now. Let's just be honest. Let's not. And maybe it's, that's not our goal right now, but we should care about our results because that is a byproduct of us working hard and stewarding what's in our hand. So don't be fooled by appearances. Get, get excited about results. And don't chase results. Results are, again, a byproduct of fitting a need and being the solution to something that nobody else has seen or done. Last two things here, and then we'll jump off. Again, I'm, I'm thankful for each and every one of you listening to this podcast. I hope that at least one of these things is serving you and challenging you to become the best leader you can possibly be today. But plant seeds in your employees. This will create dividends, by the way, in the future of a time where you're going to have to challenge them. You're going to have to confront them. 
there's going to be a time where sales aren't coming through like it used to, or there's going to be, you get it. All, all that to say, plant seeds in your employees. A, a seed looks like an encouragement. A seed looks like serving them. A seed looks like going above and beyond public affirmation, private affirmation, being the person who every time they think about their boss, they go, man, he loves me and he's for me. That person will have followers for days. So plant seeds, be a plant seeder or a seed planter, sorry. Learn how to plant seeds in people. And that might look like once every six months, by the way, it doesn't have to be every single day, the people that just need it to get driven. You want self-driven people, but those people need encouragement. They need love. They need care. They, they need the things that we assume they're getting. Every encourager needs encouragement. Every builder needs encouragement. Every visionary needs encouragement. We all need encouragement. And sometimes that's as simple as a text message, a voice memo. When you're at the staff meeting, calling them out, just, just giving them praise and affirmation. Again, th those are the things that are going to pay dividend at the end. Because in, in the moments that are tough, that are challenging, where you're like, man, I, I don't know what we're supposed to be doing about this. Those are the times where you're going to be thankful that you, you sowed into your team. You sowed into your people with encouragement, with vision, with excitement, with joy. Because they need a leader who's for them, not against them. So be a person who plants seeds. The last one, and then we'll wrap up here. Jesus was always cool, calm, and collected. We don't need, we don't need a crazy leader. We don't need somebody who's polarizing all the time just making radical decisions, just like left and right. Hey, we need to do this event. We need to do this. We have, oh my gosh, we, we need to do whatever it takes to get attendance up in a week. Like the person who is not cool, calm and collected, just creates anxiety. You don't want to be around that type of person. They're just insecure. They're broken. They're hurting. And they're trying to fill a gap with people. And that doesn't work. You think about Jesus with Jairus's daughter. She's dead, by the way. His daughter's dead. Like you would be over the top if that happens and you're screaming, you're freaking out and you call upon Jesus and he doesn't show up when you think he's going to show up when she's still alive. And you're like, man, you ruined it. My daughter's dead. What are you going to do? Jesus is cool, calm, collected, walks over, daughter raised to life. Okay. Think about that in your life. It might not be your daughter, but it might be something in your life where you're expecting Jesus to show up and he's not. What I'm saying is usually Jesus is always on time. It's not late and he's not early. He's always on time. Kind of how he works. It's a little frustrating sometimes, but that's just the way he rolls. So he's always on time. But again, he's always cool, calm, and collected. Same with Holy Spirit, by the way. Gentle, calm. There's peace. Those things are the things that we need as leaders. We need to be when, when the earth goes crazy, when, when stuff hits the fan, if you know what I mean, we're cool, calm, and collected. We know God is for me. The, the vision that he gave me 10 years ago when I started this thing, if he's the one who started it, he will sustain it. Okay, it was never about me in the first place. That type of person, that type of leader will have followers and will have people following them because we all want to be around somebody who is calm, collected, has peace in their soul. You feel good. You can relax around them. You can take a deep breath around them. That, that's, that's who we should be as leaders. That's who Jesus was. We know the woman at the well. She was being judged by almost every single person. The only reason she was at the well at noon was because she couldn't be around people. 
and she was trying to get away and it was the hottest peak of the time. So super hot outside. You're not supposed to be, nobody went to well at that time. It was always morning at night. And Jesus is just having a conversation with her at a well, being cool, calm and collected, like I said. And, and what happens is there's a transformation based on a conversation he had and he wasn't screaming at her. He wasn't calling, he called her out a little bit, but it was based on, she started to become aware of who he was, which curated a whole city, giving their life to Jesus. And a whole movement curated from this girl because he was cool, calm, and collected. It was peaceful and wasn't condemning, but he was definitely confrontational. But he was a person that she could trust and follow and listen to. So all that to say, if you read the Gospels, you don't even have to be a believer of Jesus to listen and, and follow the way of Jesus, which he was a leader. He's also a servant. That, those two words are the same to me. So... I hope that all of these served you well. Again, be a person who loves well, serves well, is practical, has integrity, care, is an honoring person. Don't expect honor without giving honor. That's not an honor. That's manipulation. That's weird. Don't be that person. But thank you guys so much for listening to this again. I, I know that you're a great leader, and I believe that at least one of these things will challenge you to grow a little bit better as a leader today and also tomorrow. Thank you. We'll see you next week.